0: We are live. We Uh are. Okay, I'll turn (laughs) it. No, that was fitting. uh, Are we we live? (laughs) What's going on, guys? Welcome to the
1: stream. Welcome to the pod. Hello, hello. This is what's the hype episode eight. More consistency, dude. Once a week. There we go. How are levels for you guys? For your headphones?
0: Pretty good. Okay. Yeah, I think they're pretty good. Uh uh Greetings. You might want to shift like a little bit towards me, Vega, just because Banjo's in the shot. Yeah, we'll have to go with that asymmetrical spread. There we go. That's okay. Banjo, Banjo needs some spotlight. Okay. For sure. I think we're good. Didn't get to do like a, a proper like check of us, so we're
2: doing that now. Yes. To everybody in Podcast Line, we're sorry. If you're Very listening sorry. to this, we're just... Trying to figure things out. Amateurs? Production value on the stream though? Yes. Yo, so shout out to. Yeah, look at this
1: shit. Let's do updates. Uh-huh. Let's do updates. All right. You yeah. want to start again since you always start? All right, I'll start. All right. <laughs> Hi, guys. So, week one of being unemployed. Woo-hoo. Woo! Woo! It's great. I've finally been able to do all the what's the hype backlogs. So we have like an animated starting screen. We have an over a proper overlay now. We have uh, there's like little animated pixels on the sides right back here and back there, and then we'll transition to an animated ending screen. So there's all this graphic stuff that I've been wanting to do that I just haven't had the time for. So the what's the hype? What's uh, the hype above my head? What's the hype? It's finally at the visual fidelity that I want. So that's all graphic design stuff that i've been doing in the background 3d modeling uh we'll 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 definitely get that i've touched on that and kind of set everything up ready to go but i just wanted to get this out of the way so that i don't have to worry about uh, you know if i have to design anything or touch anything up i already have all this to work off of so there's that um yeah just really excited to get my portfolio ready i'm you know i kind of set myself up on like freelance upwork i'm kind of looking at jobs to do and break into the industry for 3d art from a freelance perspective um, I'm thinking about also selling like Twitch overlays and helping other people
0: selling NFTs. Oh,
1: so I'm looking, <laughs> I'm looking at, you but know,
0: there's some hype around NFTs. I'm
1: looking at jobs to do on Upwork for 3d artists and graphic designers. Upwork? And there's are like a website. Yeah. So it's, it's like Fiverr, but a little more serious, even oh. though Fiverr's great. You, you could definitely make money off there. But if you're looking for kind of, um, like larger scale projects. Mm. Like there, there are game design studios that'll be like, hey, I'm looking for someone for the next three more, uh, three three weeks or like three months, high engagement. I need 30, 40 hours at least a week. We're going to be making X amount of things. And they'll put like a pay rate. It's like, oh, you'll be getting $15,000 or something like that. Very cool. Um, but a lot of the things that pop up for me is like, I need someone to make an NFT. And then they'll oh, plug geez. some like hot boy NFT and some crazy all 3D hype. stuff. So I should
0: talk about it. It has all... It, I, it's very
1: hype. Um and like every I mean I'm not I'm I'm not gonna lie. Every NFT project I've seen, the lowest amount of money you make is like four hundred dollars, three hundred dollars around there. And then I saw one today I'll that just right
2: click and save.
1: I, <laughs> I literally saw one today that it was like I need help from someone to make ten thousand NFTs. Um 10, and he 000? was paying he was paying uh twenty dollars per NFT, but like twenty dollars per NFT at ten thousand, it's like I don't know how involved he wants them to be because obviously if he wants them to look amazing and you're paying $20 an NFT. Okay, but does any
0: of the NFT art look amazing?
1: I mean, so there was one where I saw like a bunny in a museum. So there was like art in the background and he was animated. Um,
0: Like the Bored Ape Ape Yacht Club tier? Something like that. Well, that's like the biggest one that I know of.
1: So obviously it's like to make the character model and animate him and make the space requires like an intermediate to an intermediate level plus level of like 3D art design staging. If he's rendering it in Unreal, you know, then Mm -hmm. you got to know how to use Unreal. Yeah.
0: Just make sure you don't launder money through the NFTs.
1: Yeah, definitely don't do that. Uh um, it's not what they were made for. I, I got into crypto back in like 2016 and it was great. I made money, but I just I don't have the stomach for like uh, speculative markets anymore. So um but yeah, that's where I'm at. Um, Probably just
2: pissed off like a bunch of random people.
1: I mean, if you're in it, that's great. I hope no, you all make it up. I hope you guys make a bunch of money if you're in the NFT gang. But it's it's just kind of I'm focusing on the 3D art. So uh, if you want 3D art for your NFT, that I'm down. I'll be the three D artist for your NFT. Connect with me. RC Lightning. Um but besides that, I'm good. Let's pass it over. Isn't it RC dot lightning? RC dot lightning, RC Lightning. No, it's RC my Instagram is R C dot Lightning, but like the handle itself is RC Lightning. Oh, all
0: right. Uh-huh. Um my turn? It's yes. your turn. Yeah, you know, if we're gonna go clockwise, facing facing this way, it's
2: clockwise. We can change that. We'll have to have like a different order so people like aren't like guessing. You know? Um what's new with me? Nothing's doing with me, honestly. Um well, it's quite the update. Yeah. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's just silent. Down. It just yeah. There's not a whole lot. It's okay <laughs> new with me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still employed. Uh-huh.
1: There <laughs> we go. He's got that on me.
0: <laughs>
2: and that's my update. Thank you. Thank you very
1: right,
0: much. Cool. So, <laughs> let's see. We got. So I actually get to start PTO soon for work uh-huh. for very the nice. for the holiday Christmas break. So that's gonna be awesome. Um, Tomorrow is going to be my last day. I can't believe th- like next week is like Christmas. Also, crazy. Just posted the first track for Bulk Nation in uh, probably like 2018, 2019. So it's been two years. Couple of years. So Rotten Rhythm is out now on all streaming platforms: Spotify, iTunes, Google Music, Amazon, whatever. Um, Yo, ad. What uh? What what other music gotta streaming? The boy. YouTube. <laughs> no, actually, I'm. I gotta do YouTube soon. But there you go. Got that I got another track coming out soon for you guys. And then I'm I'm working on the brand new EP that I plan on releasing sometime next year. I haven't done an EP since my five track one in 2018 or 19 whenever that was. I think it was 2018. Yeah. Exciting all around. I'm going to be just keep on doing the same thing i don't know if we're gonna do one next week we should probably try to squeeze another pot in for next we week do it on the
1: front end we do monday or tuesday again before yeah i the think we should
0: come yeah because then i'm gonna be out of town but it's very great to see you guys again i love that we're doing this you know once a week it's actually gonna be cold here in florida for christmas Thank God. i've been fucking dreading it because it's like 85 degrees every single fucking day here yeah, and it sucks um but other than that isn't too much else for the life update. I kind of want to just like start talking some business, and uh, you know, typically with the flow that we've kind of been having, we usually have like some news that we want to go over, some like light bit news, and then we jump into something a little bit deeper. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm sure you guys are wondering why we have Banjo here and why we were starting the stream with some. Oh, we're talking about Halo from- again, right? T- yeah, for sure. Actually, speaking of <laughs> our Halo, Halo episode. The, fir- <laughs> the first thing that I wanted to mention, actually. <laughs> So, the first Halo LAN competition that's, like, run by HCS, like, the actual championship series uh-huh. that 343 does. So, they're having their first LAN this weekend in Raleigh, right? And, you know, all the teams in NA were competing in the qualifier, like, a month, or like, a couple of weeks ago or so. Do you know about this story, Vega? I only heard about it because you told me about it, but... Okay, I told you about this story earlier. We touched on it. Yeah, so basically what happened was one of the players from Sentinel was... I don't know if geofiltering is the correct term, but he basically changed something in a text file that helps determine what servers he plays on doesn't play on. And because he was getting high ping during matchmaking and ranked, he changed it to where he would only get connected to servers that favor his ping. So, I think he lives in like Portland or something, somewhere um, northwest, Uh like that, or something. And he forgot to change it during the qualifier. And the funny thing to me was that everyone on his team and like his brother, it's Royal 2, and they were all defending him, saying that 343 and HCS, they're fucking assholes for accusing him. And the whole investigation process has been a pain in the ass, which I don't doubt. But it's funny because he released a twit longer, Royal 2, saying like, Hey guys, I um I did it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't know it was against the rules. So it pretty much just made everyone that was defending him look like a total fucking asshole.
1: So there was some sort he him doing that with his game, did it fuck up like the whole game for everyone it else? It fucked
0: up everything for everyone else. Cause everyone was complaining about why it took so long. And I remember watching the stream. Because the the grand finals was optic and sentinels, and the games were just taking forever to start, and I felt bad because the cast was were literally just like, yeah, so this matchup is gonna be pretty tough, and you know I think this this matchup is gonna be difficult, and yeah, I just think the matchup will be kind of hard, and they, they just they had to keep going is the problem. Mm-hmm. So everyone was shitting on three four three. It's like why why is it taking so long for us to connect the servers for the competition, and turns out it's because that fuckwit forgot to. Uh, changed back the text file. He says he forgot. I kind of believe that he probably did forget, but at the same time, you know, you get caught, like, you're going to get penalized. And I think he was banned for like a month. He's banned through like January 28th. Sentinels lost their seating, so they actually aren't part of the normal qualifier for this upcoming event. And they have to use another player to fill in for Royal 2. And they have to go through in like the harder bracket. Mm -hmm. So, like, if you're an established team, like FaZe, for example, they're already in the qualifier, like Cloud9 or Optic. Because we know
1: they're good. Yeah. Yeah, There's no need to. Well, they qualified for it. And
0: Sentinels was also one of those teams, but motherfuckers cheated. Well, he cheated. Royal 2 cheated. And then got penalized. I think it might have been like a money financial uh, fine too, but I'm not entirely sure.
1: Was he the best player on the team?
0: Um, road two's been around for a minute though right he's, he's been, been I, on i don't know if i would team. say he's the best player it's it's basically like there's four lebron james on that team
1: <laughs> well goddamn
0: they're all like really fucking nasty so they could
1: still win it though even without him
0: um no i don't think so oh really it's like one of those things where you need to have all four players to have the buff but if you don't have that last one it doesn't matter team comp Buff, yeah mm-hmm. you don't get the team comp buff Third. So okay. you don't get the bonus, but we'll see. Maybe they make a big run for it, but I kind of doubt it because I think Optic Gaming... Element. You get like, you know, increased bonuses or uh-huh. something. Yeah, I think Optic Gaming is the best team right now. But anyways, that aside, I didn't have anything else I want to talk about, and we can go ahead and jump into our deep dive, unless you guys had something else.
1: We'll do um, current event-wise... I want, like, I'll, I'll do one lighthearted, one and one not lighthearted. Ooh, lighthearted. Um, so Animal Crossing recently put out their DLC, and I've been playing it mm. with Sida. How's and that? I'm not going to lie. I'm really impressed with it. So it's 25 bucks. They have this is whole— it,
2: It's part of the, like, expansion thing, right? So,
1: th- yes, they put out an expansion, which was, like, a bunch of new features and things you could do in the game for free. But alongside that, there is paid DLC. So you have— essentially... Oh, but I'm
2: saying, can you buy the DLC, like, separately, individually?
1: Yes. Yeah. You oh, gotta pay okay, twenty five I... bucks for the DLC. Okay. 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 But there was also like free DLC that they added in an update of the game. Okay. So what the DLC does is you're you essentially have a job. You go to the airport and you fly, and there's this one island where you can set up um, like it's a vacation rental place. So different Animal Crossing characters will come up to you and be like, "I want a, a house themed off this, this, and this."
0: What's the technology like in Animal Crossing? um do they have like spaceships and stuff yeah or, or like, dude, like what year what year would you say it's animal all crossing an is? animal crossing
1: like you can make future, so it's like 2021 but yes. an animal crossing you can so make they have like computers. tokyo city you can make an ancient fantasy forest Ooh, okay godzilla is in the game as a prop like interesting everything everything so like there are entire i've recently found this out there are entire youtubers and social media people who have made it like Hundreds of thousands of followers just off like making incredibly detailed custom textured Animal Crossing maps and they'll give tours and stuff. Oh, yeah, it's a whole ecosystem. Dude, there's a whole ecosystem of like heavily digested content just off thriving off Animal Crossing. So that's why I was like, wow, this is crazy. Mm -hmm. And then the job itself, I think, is really cool because at least when I played Animal Crossing, it was cool because like I get my character, I get to dress him up, I get to decorate my house and my island. Mm -hmm. But so the job is that you have to. Decorate the island based on the NPC's needs and now it's a kind of like a it's almost like a because dis- you're
0: the mayor, right?
1: No, so you're hired um, It's your job. So you're hired to help these characters. It's like part of the DLC you fly to a different island And it's like, hey, I want a vacation home. Help me design my vacation home. So you're able to take the skills that you build with, like, designing your own home, and you can apply it and now challenge yourself to kind of make the most fleshed-out design for these characters. The game provides, like, a bunch of different things within the theme of what that character wants. Mm -hmm. And it's essentially like a design challenge. And I think that's really cool because it's, like... You know, you're you build up the skills naturally to do this, but you're able to express yourself. And now you can kind of put yourself to the test and see how well you can express someone else's idea. And the more you play it, the more kind of features you have so you can manipulate the house and more things to decorate. So I thought
0: it was really well done. Worth the 25?
1: Yeah, 100 percent. Yeah, for sure. And so when you uh, are done with the room, you can upload a picture of it to whatever website it is and you can compare how you decorated that person's house to other people and see Mm. like how fleshed out yours is in comparison you get rewarded with some special currency that you can buy like new high grade very detailed um like uh, furniture that you can only get from participating in this content Mm, okay so I thought it was great. Like, i was, I I'd done reading. I see you I playing said, Animal Crossing. It was That's- cute. I've, we, I've helped her design a couple of rooms, and it was honestly really fun. And I was just, like, from someone who's a little more artsy, I thought it was really cool. Because it's, like, there's infrastructure to help you experiment with you and develop. And then now it's, like, you can kind of put it to the test. But it's not seen like that, but at the same way it is. Because it's, like... There are all these different prompts, and every prompt is wildly different from the next. So I thought that was very well done. So if you're interested in getting the Animal Crossing DLC, I think it's Get it great. Get a thumbs up for the hype. Thumbs up <laughs> for <laughs> the <laughs> hype I hate I hate it. for it. Very well done. And then the second thing is, oh um, man, there's new spiciness with uh, with Blizzard and uh, kind of the controversy there. There's a. Uh, all right, um, who are they drugging now? Two things. So in terms of the first thing is that someone came out and had like a female that used to work there. And had already kind of come out about kind of harassment in the workplace.
0: Is it the the um, the breast milk thing?
1: So that's the next one. But oh, the, okay, okay, I'm getting ahead. I'm sorry. So the this chick <laughs> apparently she. I mean, it's just interesting because she had a press conference outside Blizzard with her lawyer, and it was a whole public thing. And it was her just recounting her experience and how she's like suffered from harassment and like how she went to HR and HR was like, well, technically nothing's illegal's hap- nothing illegal has happened. So like, we're just not gonna get involved. And granted, that's not anything we haven't heard, but The fact that I thought it was really interesting that there was a whole press conference happened outside Blizzard. Like it's Mm -hmm. like a public. This is how a celebrity handles their drama, you know, and there is a high profile lawyer on it now. And I think that's why it's going about this. But. Um, expect to see some spicy things com- coming from Blizzard.
0: I mean, how much more spicy can it be than like the Bill Cosby boys?
1: Well, that I think incited another story to come forward. And it was the whole breast milk thing. Oh my God. Did
0: you I hear know about the breast milk thing? I did. Did you oh. also guys hear about like how they were
2: urging people like not to unionize? U- union, union that, that's
0: been a thing for a while. Well, the QA and Raven software, I think just, um, try to do, they're, they're trying to unionize right now. I think they held a strike, but I wanted to circle back super quick. How does that story unfold? What? Oh, the breast milk thing? How does that happen? Bro. I don't I don't even know. Bro. Okay, so from from a female's perspective, I understand that if you just like had a kid and maybe there's some like circumstance you have to watch your kid, so you had to have breast milk on you. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people get like really, you know, squeamish or whatever about like breastfeeding in public, whatever. That's its own issue. I'm not gonna touch on that. But what what's going through your mind when you go to let's just say it's in the fridge, let's just say it's in her personal fridge. I don't know where it actually is. It doesn't matter where. There was
1: a designated fridge that had a lock on it. Okay, for this. So you're of okay. This, yeah.
0: So, I'm 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 this dude at Blizzard, or multiple dudes, or or, or let's just say it's the Bill Cosby boys again. <laughs> oh, Who knows? But how how is it that their thought process is? For, firstly, they're competent enough to get a job at Blizzard, right? So. They have to have some sort of vetting process to where they're they're capable of that. Technically competent. They're technically competent enough. Fair, but <laughs> even then, I, 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 that just sounds like a bullshit story. I, I don't I don't understand how. I'm trying to think about what my brain would do to make me think drink that woman's breast milk.
1: Let's let's fill in the people. So the story goes like this. Um, I've I've toured a couple like um tech companies, and you know a lot of them have very accommodating facilities for their workers. You know, I remember touring through GitHub and they had a nap room, they had a breast milking room, they had different, uh, they had like gender specific locations if you wanted to do that, they had code locations. So very accommodating. I'm sure Blizzard has something like this. So they had a room where, you know, if you, cause they have daycare there as well. Mm-hmm. If you needed to breastfeed your child or your baby, you could do that in there. Mm-hmm. And then they had specific fridges for like if anyone had to store their breast milk for later mm-hmm. and apparently guys were using that for beer and storing other personal things creepy which was not supposed to be a thing and then some multiple women came forward and were like the, the breast milk that they had stored there was missing so like someone was taking that milk that people knew specifically was supposed to be used for that and it was just kind of like what's going on bro i mean i uh... mean
2: can you just imagine, hold on, opening the work fridge and just seeing a six-pack of beer there? like no, I'm a six-pack like, of breast milk. <laughs> like, yes. I'd be so confused. Like, wait a second. Okay.
0: Uh, I, I don't get it, dude. I, yeah, I, don't I really know. don't. Maybe, so I did recently watch Pain and Gain.
2: Uh, I love that movie. Uh, with, oh, with, with Mark Wahlberg uh, and, and, uh, and,
0: the, and The Rock? Yeah, and who is it? The Falcon? or the, Oh, Anthony Mackie, yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that his name, The Falcon? Anthony Mackie, mm-hmm. yep. yeah. Yeah, so I remember one scene with that at the strip club, and he's like, yo, this is like legit breast milk take this shit with hgh you're gonna get fucking big so maybe if these guys are like roiding even then why the fuck would you do that uh that's an entirely different conversation and this is not me trying to justify stealing breast milk you're a fucking creep you're like that playstation 5 executive yeah former executive actually fuck you you're still a shitty person
1: i'm sure a majority of people who work at blizzard are just well-adjusted people who love games and want to work on games that's I, it's I'm, not enough, Robert. I, no, I agree. I agree. It's not you enough. got I agree. There are a lot of people socially. A lot of people out there are spoiling it for the rest of us. But I want to go on the record and say that you know I think that it's mostly it, Blizzard, man, at its core, you know, and the ideology Leadership, that yeah. they put forward. I'm sure that there are so many people who are so tired of like people acting out in bad behavior, and they just want to work someplace healthy and make cool games. And like I want that to happen too. I don't understand why things like this keep happening. And I hope that there's more scrutiny as to someone's, uh, how well adjusted someone is when hiring them and onboarding them.
0: I mean, I feel like it's an easy thing to just not take someone's breast milk.
1: I mean, no one's gonna put that on their resume, like breast milk thief, but I, <laughs> <laughs> but I no, I know. You're You're right, you're right, 100%. It's not it's just like these. You can't vet for it, but I mean, it's still kind of like, come on, man. Like, and, and Blizzard's been under fire for like two, three years at this point, from this perspective. Yeah, it's been
0: happening for a hot so minute. So it's
1: like, if you know your company's high, it's like, why are you continuing to do? Like, I would be on the best behavior if I were there, because I know as a dude working there, like. Well,
0: was this story recent, or is it like something that happened like a year or two ago, and she's that, coming I don't forward.
1: know. But I know, like the press conference, uh, kind of motivated, like it's, it's resparking another wave. Uh, I hope they all come forward. forward. Yeah, for sure. I hope they, they all come they forward. They need to be heard. For sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but those are the two things I want to talk about before we get into the main topic.
0: do you got anything before we jump in?
2: Video game topic wise. Oh, I know
1: Final Fantasy Integrate came out today. I was actually going to say that.
0: Yeah. Oh shit, sure, my bad. <laughs> fourteen? No, 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 that's
2: good. Uh, no, uh, well, fourteen. I, I know they just. I know there's the an expansion show.
0: that just came out because McRae was playing it. It's good pretty well received it doesn't play Apex um, with me
2: anymore, but um <laughs> yeah Final fantasy 7 integrate basically if you've ever if you've played the remake or if you haven't played the remake the remake is really good go check it out it's definitely worth it integrate is like an actual like extra dlc kind of mission that shows from the perspective of one of the characters names yufi um in the original Yuffie? game Yuffie.
0: oh okay Yuffie. the do chick.
2: Yeah, they don't in the original game. They don't really explain um, like how she comes apart, like uh, to join the team. She's actually like a, an additional like character. You don't even need to get her. But mm-hmm. besides the point, they like kind of like add a lore to her to why she ends up being there. It's pretty good. Cool. Um, I would recommend definitely recommend checking out on PC if you can. For sure. Um,
1: I yeah. it just dawned on me that like RPGs used to commit so much time developing a character that you can play as and recruit. But there were ways to play the games back then that you could, there were whole characters that were designed that you just would not get if you didn't look hard enough.
2: Oh, yeah. Especially for those older Final Fantasy. Chrono
1: Trigger, Final Fantasy both did that. Where like if you went about the game a certain way or you weren't doing a certain amount of side quests, there would be a whole ass character you just never got to experience. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, That's wild. Mm -hmm. That's That's how it it is back the golden era of RPGs, they call it. (laughs)
1: <laughs> but now, I mean, also from all the rare research I did, production value of games was a lot lower back then. Leaking,
2: leaking, what we're talking about? <laughs> I'm just
1: kidding. Um, so like nowadays, if it's like if remake, you know, it's like you, developing a whole character, their moves, the animations, all that, and then like just. So not... Why I think
2: remake the Final Fantasy VII remake is is a really good
1: remake. Oh, beautiful, it's great game. Really number good. one OST, number one OST of 2021. 2020? 2020, 2020, yeah, number one OST well, of 2020. 2021 too. Fuck it, why not? yeah, there they go. It's great. It's great. <laughs> All right, shall we jump into it? All right, what's the main topic today, boys?
2: So today we uh, we're kind of going back to like our kind of like first kind of roots episodes of. I mean, it's only episode eight, but the first two episodes that we, or I would say three, because the third one, the one that shall not be named, I feel that was like a good could, episode too. Yeah, yeah.
1: That, I'd love that episode. We should do that again whenever the next series, like the next uh like cycle of um like announcements comes out or something for For sure sure.
2: episode three yeah Mm that would be be definitely um that would be dope but for this one we're actually going to be talking about rare um and we just kind of wanted to do a deep dive kind of similar to what we did with halo and then pokemon um but kind of start with the company as a whole like from its heydays back from before it was even known as rare to like
0: you know where it's at today and stuff like that i don't Um, even know what it was called before rare
1: ultimate playing game yeah
0: yeah that was in 86
1: uh, that was the that name was the of 80s. the Sanford Brothers Company bef- when they were making games for Nintendo as well as the arcade. Because they started in
0: 86, right? 85. So 85.
2: So, yeah, we'll go right into okay, it. Okay, that's NES. So, uh-huh. so it, was, it, was, it was founded by their brothers, right? Yep. Um, let me find their names. Chris and Tim Stamper. Tamper, yeah. Um, they found in 85. Ultimate play the game. Um, and they were, They made a ton of games for, it was a system in in, in the UK. I forget what it was. it was. It
1: was one of those random offshoot systems. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, it was back when they like didn't establish dominance, s- yeah. Yeah,
1: something like an Amiga or something
2: like that. I don't even remember. Yeah. But then they ended up getting funding from Nintendo, and they made a ton of NES games. I mean, um, a lot of games that you might be familiar with. Bro,
1: there's a good story there, though. So the way that goes down is that they were super passionate about games, and they saw the Nintendo came out, and... You know, uh, back then they didn't have development kits that they would send companies because it was also new. Oh, they
2: like reverse engineered the code, right? They bought like a that? Nintendo, yeah. they
1: reverse engineered the console and a bunch of the games out at the time, and then they made um, prototypes of their own games and they had submitted them, and Nintendo flew them out, and they were the first Western company to ever present things to Nintendo. And Nintendo was so impressed with them that, yes, they gave them unlimited funding for as many games as they wanted to make on the Nintendo uh, Entertainment System. Yeah,
2: so that was, I know that was a little bit later like for like the the SNES, because they made a ton of games for the SNES too. Mm -hmm. what are like some prominent NES games that they made? The the one that I always think of that comes to mind is
0: Battletoads. Battletoads, yeah. yeah like Battletoads is a banger. That
2: was you know like you guys remember the meme, the Battletoads meme. Like
0: oh yeah, you forever. call up GameStop. It's <laughs> yeah. like yo, you got Battletoads. <laughs> I don't know why. I just Shit, it was about on. That. I, I
1: saw that on 4chan uh, regularly. Bring up the the title or the list of titles. I know it's like yeah. sixty games they developed for Oh, so the, the ZX Nintendo.
2: Spectrum home computer. That was what they used to make. Oh, right. um, yeah. yeah, I'll look up some. I'll look up. But continue uh, while I do this. Um,
1: yes, they made over sixty titles. Um... You know, the Stanford brothers themselves were developers from the arcade era, so they were already kind of used to making games of various genres, because if you're making games for arcades, it's not like you make one self-contained game. So it's like, let's make a racing game. Let's make an action game. Let's make a platformer. Let's make this. Let's make that. Mm -hmm. So going into making games for Nintendo, um, they literally covered games of almost every genre and they made yep. like upwards of what 60 titles i think
2: so yeah so just counting from 60 here titles. So like, they came lot. out with one in 86 or we won't 60 even count that titles. we'll say we'll say they came out with two in 87 four in 88 and then just in 89 they released like at least
0: 15 titles um oh, from there 90 they released titles, a bunch more man. and i mean i'm talking about like this is back in the day too they were probably using like c or like fucking assembly mm-hmm. to like make i say games. so
2: i will say a lot of them a lot of these games are licensed games so like there's a Wheel of Fortune. There's like Hollywood Square, Sesame Street, Banger. Uh, Jeopardy. You know, a lot of money like in there that. though, though, mm-hmm. dude. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You, you make money. They made a ton. But and I mean, these
1: are probably these properties' first foray into the game industry. Oh yeah. I mean, so even like, back then, like if you got the licensing for something like
2: Jeopardy and all that stuff, isn't as big nowadays. But it was pretty big back then. So like yeah. to make a game like that for when the home system console was a new thing, like mm-hmm. you know, they were kind of the
0: the pioneers of those. Yeah, because, of those. because I. You're gonna have to check my um, my knowledge here, but I here believe for. in '83 is when the big crash happened because, and it was with the Atari 2600. So when they made the game, it wasn't the game that broke everything. Video but it was,
2: game crash of '83. Yeah. But
0: it was the game. Do you know about this? So that was because they had a bunch of shit like ET
2: and like all those other games that were just yeah hot fucking
0: garbage, right? So. Back in 83, like, this is, this is why Nintendo actually was able to take control of every, everything. Oh. So when Atari originally came out, and I want to say it was Nolan Bushnell, who was, like, the king of Atari. You can check me on that, too. But Nolan Bush? The Atari 2600 was essentially the console that was trying to break the arcade era because you could Nolan just Bushnell. get one and get it at home. You can play oh. games at home. Mm-hmm. I don't need to go to the arcade anymore. You established Atari cents. and Chuck E. Cheese. This was yeah. Pong? Yeah, I think so. Atari, yeah, yeah, I think so. but so in 1983, and we have to remember that the NES came out in '85, so it was two years after. Mm-hmm. There was a massive crash in the market because they made more physical copies of the game than there were consoles. Mm-hmm. And that was true not only just for E.T., but also just, like, every single one. And it was very much so, like, EDM music. It's purely qu- um, quantity. Mm-hmm. It's There's, like, very little quality. So gotcha. when you were look at these games, they were awful. Like, the E.T. game in itself, one, is impressive because one dude did it, and he did it in a very, very short amount of time. I think he took, I think it was, like, uh, eight weeks or something because Steven Spielberg asked him specifically to make it and they, were, they came to the one dude that made that game and he was like yo can you make this shit and he was like no He was like you better get working you're gonna make it yeah <laughs> yeah so i think i remember watching that in a documentary it. yeah or something it was like in a documentary because i remember i was trying to like brush up on my video game history but so that game was essentially the game that uh tipped the, the feather that like broke the scale so mm-hmm. to speak and there was a massive crash and people thought that it was like those hoverboards it was just a fad and video game consoles weren't going to come back anymore. Gotcha. Then come in Nintendo, these Japanese motherfuckers, and they're like, you know what? Gods. <laughs> so, NES. So,
1: gods amongst men.
0: These <laughs> Japanese motherfuckers. You know, I, so knowing that. But they came out with Mario. They came. They got um, like you said with your story. Mm-hmm. Um, Rare did a really good job, at, and since '85, that's how they really took control of the entire game industry
1: learning about kind of um games at this time i kept hearing about this continue i mean we know about it like it's not like this isn't a thing now but nintendo just had a specifically shigeru miyamoto had a incredible fixation on quality at the time like mm-hmm. and which is the exact opposite of what happened in na for the game studio so now or game industry and i mean now that i know that that happened maybe that kind of drove his fixation with it but it, it kind of seemed like that Nintendo was almost a response as to what was happening in the West.
0: Yeah, because they they looked at the North American market and saw that it's basically been dead for the past two years. I mean, and there wasn't
2: even a market here. So like, yeah, console, it was gone. Console gaming in the states is is huge compared to in in Japan. It's not as it's not as big, but you know what is big over there? Arcades. Uh-huh. You know, it's dead over here in the states. Arcades. 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 They're you don't. They're in, barely anywhere. Boobs, you know,
0: like waifu pillows and arcades. Like
2: the the only like. Uh, Kids nowadays, <laughs> something like we were saying. You're almost but, thirty, bro.
0: But I know, right? Bro. We're almost thirty.
2: um But kids nowadays, <laughs> like their their definition of an arcade is like you know, like going to Dave and Buster's, you know, or something like Chuck that. Chuck
0: Dave and Buster's is actually a lot of fucking fun. It's it's fun. But it's they, not an arcade. Got, it's just a huge ar- entertainment
2: like you know center. We, you know what I I'm think saying? you were there like,
0: when we were working at Sussi. One of the retreats is at um, Dave and Buster's. Yeah, I had a good time. Yeah, for I sure. actually I was pretty drunk, but I remember they had like a <laughs> Luigi's Mansion arcade machine <laughs> and like all the other shit. You should go to fun. Arcade
1: Monsters. Arcade Monsters has stepped it the fuck up. Local arcade, arcade, our local arcade. Oh, okay. no, just give them
2: free
0: advertisement on our Hell platform. Heck you yeah, can
1: man, dude. Plug Arcade Monsters. If you want to go to an arcade, you live in Orlando, Florida. Arcade Monsters is a place to go. All right, but
0: anyways, I don't want to get like too sidetracked because I don't want D derail what you were saying but just the point that i was making was that nintendo made like this huge push in 85 with the nes did super good as the famicom in japan came over here and uh, the whole reason why i brought the is because as like a collector of like video game memorabilia i actually have one of the original copies of et oh it was a what? couple thousand dollars, but it was like one of the legit ones. The That's one, awesome. the,
1: the game that crashed the market. The game like.
0: that crashed the market, yeah. It's an awful game. It's unopened, and it was uh, it has a certificate of authenticity because apparently there was a giant landfill because they did, they had so many copies they didn't know what to do with it, so they just like dug a big asshole and threw a bunch of them in there. And there was another documentary on somewhere that this one dude went to go and find look for it. Mm-hmm. He found. Like around the same spot, but he couldn't pinpoint it because they were. He was digging for like months, bro. There's probably tons and tons of dirt. Months. If you're one guy, yeah, like... months. And he found uh, the um, a game cover, like the box, and that's and he wasn't able to pinpoint it. But I, I believe it's somewhere in Nevada, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. But anyways, you know when we're talking about rare, I I think it holds this, like a special place in everyone's heart. Like at least our generation. For sure. I remember you telling me that. Think Banjo was actually your first game. It was, as opposed to your your older brothers, uh-huh. and your
2: first rare game or game in general. So I,
0: I had what? experience with gaming prior to this, but uh-huh. the first
1: game I ever got for me it was given to me on my fourth birthday, and was Banjo Kazooie. Was Banjo
0: Kazooie? Right, uh-huh. nice. Yeah, I loved I loved Banjo Kazooie. I actually remember asking for it for Christmas for um, from my mom, and she was like you want a banjo? I'm like, no, mom. I want the game. (laughs) Banjo-Kazooie. And I actually remember, I've actually seen this on YouTube, way back in the day, back in, like, this was probably, like, 97 or 98, um, Nintendo would actually release VHS tapes to people, and they would mail them to you, and it would give a highlight reel of all the games that are coming out soon. Oh. And this is how I heard about Banjo-Kazooie, because... For some reason, I think it's because I had Super Mario 64 and we subscribed to Nintendo Power, mm-hmm. which was their magazine at the time. And is Nintendo Power still up? No. no. It's Dude, dead the,
2: I think the only one that's up is maybe Game Informer. Maybe. Okay.
0: Well, anyways, as a subscriber, they I sent out a VHS. So like, yeah. One of the original, the first issues went for like $5,000. Wow, really? Yeah, like sealed and everything. But anyways, so they... They sent out VHS tapes, and one of the games that was on it was Banjo Kazooie. And one of the the actor that did the voiceover, I can't think of his name, but he was in The Wedding Singer, which is uh, a movie with a movie with Drew Barrymore and Adam Sandler. Banger mm. movie, by the way. If you like rom coms, it's a banger. But I just remember seeing that game and be like, "Holy shit, this looks fucking awesome!" And like as a kid, I ate that shit up. I got it for Christmas. I played that shit nonstop. Um, and then ever since then, it's kind of like one of the reasons I got into the game industry, that and Halo. And I just have always had like a massive respect for Rare. But I'm curious, like, how did they what what happened to them? So we're give me give me some information. We're kind of going forward on. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, let's, I think the bi-
1: you go. Let's touch you on. Go, the So go. that was the Nintendo series. So Super Nintendo. Why? What, what were big things that happened with Rare? Obviously, Donkey Kong Country. So, well, so then
2: at that point, I think that's the story that you were talking about that they like ended up decoding. Um, oh no, 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 no! With them, um, what did they do with the Super Nintendo? It was a 3D graphics yes. thing, and that's what it was—the concept yeah. for Donkey mm-hmm. Kong Country.
1: So rare. So uh, when the Super Nintendo came out. This is when Ultimate Game and Play Rare was actually formally opened up at this time in Miami, Florida, and they changed their name to Rare.
0: Yes, so they were Rare from '85. The
1: development studio was based in the UK, but they needed something on American soil to help with production and development and like uh, distribution here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Rare was opened in Miami, Florida. And also Rare pioneered the use of 3D models and pre-rendering them so that you would have 3D model-esque graphics and animations. But the Super Nintendo itself didn't need to process a 3D model. What it was doing is I was taking the movement and just registering it as like images.
0: It's parallaxing, right?
1: Essentially, yeah. I mean, you're using parallax, but it's just a way to use... It's, a, it's an efficient way to use 3D models to get good-looking animations, essentially. Yeah. But they were the first one of the first game development studios to do that. Uh, and then the game that they first did that with was Donkey Kong Country. And that's why it has that kind of very iconic style where, like, Donkey Kong and all the characters. 2D, 3D, 2.5D. Yes, 2.5D. Yes. So did Nintendo have?
2: just allow them to use any IP they wanted? Ba- so basically what happened was... During the NES days, Nintendo had a stake in them, hence why they were making games for them. Lots and lots of games with them, like uh, we had mentioned earlier. And then when the Super Nintendo came out um, and the the Donkey Kong Country thing, that all kind of happened around the same time. Nintendo bought 49% share in Rare, mm-hmm. and then Rare rebranded to then Rareware at the time. And mm-hmm. that's when they started to make all their NES, Super uh, NES games that got really popular. So the Donkey Kong Country series, um, we're talking about... Um, what else uh, diddy kong racing mm-hmm. um banger there's i mean there's just there's just there's so many um even throughout the years like <laughs> i always want to default to like ones that come out for the n64 because that's those well, that's, are the most of like the play. probably
0: the they're they're like heyday like prime for, i would say i would say that yeah yeah
2: I, they did a lot for super nintendo um i mean what else came out um What's had- that one fighting game? Killer Instinct. Oh, Killer, Killer Instinct. Instinct. Yeah, they okay. they yeah. developed oh, Killer okay. Instinct for arcades, um, and then later I, for the N sixty four. Well, no, no, no. So they ended up releasing for the NES because the sixty N sixty four, if I'm not mistaken, got delayed. Oh, so true, they ended true. up porting it to the Super Nintendo. Um, but that was another like Killer Instinct. today. you know, it's it's, it's a, a still a pretty big thing even back then, you know.
1: So shout out Iron
0: Galaxy. Yep.
1: Iron Galaxy. Did they
0: still still keep that game? I think they only got contracted for, like, a couple seasons. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. It was um, Iron Galaxy and Double Helix, I think, or something like that. That was working on it. Because I remember touring Iron Galaxy at the time. They were keeping track of Killer Instinct. Let's see. I mean, let's see some other, like, uh, no. I
2: mean, don't don't forget, they were also making games for the Game Boy at the time, too. Mm -hmm. You know, they're making a ton, a ton. Shigeru Miyamoto
1: actually uh, let them pick who... The whatever Nintendo property that they wanted. So Rare was the first uh, secondary developer for Nintendo, the first one in the West. And Shigeru Miyamoto liked them so much that he let them pick whatever game, whatever Nintendo mascot they wanted to make games for. Did he like them? Huh?
0: Did he like them? I heard there was a story.
1: He trusted them. Shigeru Miyamoto shits on Rare a lot. Even though, obviously, you know, there are unprecedented breakthrough levels of trust being given to this not Japanese company. But like in an in interview, Shigeru Miyamoto is very, very critical and like in like a very nice way. But he's still kind of shitting on them. a very <laughs> passive aggressive Japanese. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Yeah, exactly. So yeah. in interviews talking about Donkey Kong Country, he essentially says that like Donkey Kong Country is a perfect example about how someone will pay for a game that looks good, but is average. And it's just kind of like, <laughs> damn, son. Like, I
0: love those games. All of them. Those games were bangers. I, I actually don't have... So I didn't like... I should rephrase this. I didn't like the the 2D games that they made, Donkey Kong Country. Then again, I also only experienced them on my, um, my Game Boy Advance. So at that time, it was pretty much just them porting everything over from you know, Super Nintendo mm-hmm. on um, GBA because the Game Boy had everything from the NES. But... I just remember thinking the game felt like a little clunky, and I didn't like the music. That was the other thing; it made me feel really depressed. You don't like Bro. the music for Donkey Kong Country? I don't like I don't like the water level music. I specifically Bro. don't like that. Level. Wow, that's probably one of my favorite. Yeah, yeah. Oh, what I'm, is it? Aquatic ambient. That's a hot like take. That? I'm taking shots Ooh. right now. Yeah. Okay. But, right. To point, yeah. no, <laughs> <laughs> but to counter that point, but uh, to counter that point, rare. In my opinion also worked with one of the best composers of video games in general and that's Grant Kirkhope. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously he did the music for Banjo-Kazooie. He also most recently he well he did the remix for Ultimate when they brought Banjo in and I believe that was the only Western composer that Sakurai worked with with any of the characters from Smash Bros. Mm -hmm. Everything else was all Japanese based but they wanted specifically Grant Kirkhope for the Banjo music. And then he also did the music for um, Mario and rabbits, mm-hmm. So he's just an overall, he had a very, very unique sound. And uh, what was the thing that you were saying about how like each character had like a specific instrument? So
1: he also did the music for Donkey Kong Country 1 and 2. But yeah. He didn't do the one, he did a little bit of 3. But mm-hmm. when 3 came out for the Game Boy Advance, he had redone the whole soundtrack for that. And then specifically for him, he had toured the entire world with the kind of, um, with the mentality of learning about how music is kind of influenced and how music happens in all these different types of the world. And this was kind of before, you know, this was before Spotify and Apple music. So I guess you would get like a a less bleed over from other cultures. If you were to travel at that time and try and just absorb as much music as possible. So he had played, um, I had not played any of these games, but he had played these early LucasArts games that were like very narratively driven. They weren't star Wars things. It was just like LucasArts studios, some other games that they had put out Mm -hmm. and the, 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 characters in the game had always had kind of specific instrumentation so in the music the music would always reflect events happening to a certain character so you had direct instruments that were tied to a character and theming that way Mm -hmm. and then if you look at banjo kazooie you know obviously you know you have banjo with the banjo kazooie with the kazoo uh, mumbo had the xylophone Mm. um so why you get that kind of i don't really think there's any other game that does that but how you have that kind of specific instrumentation with the character, like tying it that way. I feel like he was the first do, first person to do it in a triple A sense.
0: Yeah. So, were there any other big titles that Rare did for the Super Nintendo?
1: Uh, Battletoads came out for the Super Nintendo as well. Uh,
2: okay. Donkey Kong and Donkey Kong Country is really the main one. The, the, well, they the had all the other there. ones
0: too, like like Donkey Kong Country 2. Yeah, yeah, like yeah Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong Country 2, Donkey Kong
2: Country 3. Yeah. yeah. Um, a couple of different uh, Killer Instinct titles. I think they had one or two that came out for the S N S. But Apparently, it wasn't.
1: Apparently, Donkey Kong Country Two is heralded as the best. I like Three the best though. But everyone's like Two is the best. It's the pinnacle of Donkey Kong Country.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, those games are mediocre anyway. So okay, Sakurai, chill. <laughs> I mean Miyamoto. <laughs> oh yeah, sorry Miyamoto. So can we move on to my favorite era? All right, yeah, this so is so a chunky. Right, right, so this N64 is. Time. So this is the one I'm particularly hyped about. Obviously, we touched on Banjo a lot, but... This is one I think Rare really like. Oh, yeah, they hit their stride, yeah, in my yeah, opinion. Absolutely. And there's two things that I want to call out. Firstly, and I was talking to you about this earlier, I give a lot of praise for Rare because they were successful in so many different genres of game. So they were popular with platformers, so with um, Donkey Kong Country and with Banjo and Conquer. if you're old enough to play that game. So, they were good with platformers. They were good with racing games. So, Diddy Kong Racing. So, that's two genres. They were good with uh, Killer Instinct. That's three. That's a fighting game. Just that alone, I don't know of many studios. Goldeneye? Did you mention? uh, Yeah, Goldeneye. Goldeneye, They did Goldeneye, and they did Perfect Dark. But especially, like, back then, because a lot of the rules that we know today weren't established yet. Mm -hmm. So it's not like they had a lot of references to go by when they're making a shooter or when they're like making a fighting game right there. They don't have a lot of examples. It's trailblazing. Very, it's very much so yep. like, all right, well, I mean, this feels good to me. Does it make sense to you? And there, there had been a lot of internal play testing. So I give them a lot of credit for being such a, a versatile studio back in the nineties. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I'm trying to think like what game I had the most fun memories of. I, I I do think that it's Banjo Kazooie, but I just remember having so much fun with Diddy Kong Racing as well. Yeah, and of fun. I'm gonna sh- I'm gonna take some. You liked it better than takes. Mario Kart. I was just about to say this. Yeah, Diddy Kong Racing is is better than Mario Kart 64. I think so too. I think so too. I will agree with personally. That. I, I, just with I had more fun with it.
2: the The feel of it.
0: I thought that the because you could you could in like
2: different like like. Um, vehicles, vehicles, right? Yeah, like one would be like a plane, and then none of them one. felt overpowered too, but they all yeah. felt so different.
0: Yep. Mm-hmm. And I thought that they did such a brilliant um, choices for the course design because it's not just one form of terrain that you're designing for, right? Like how when I'm making the Dino Tracks, because the first world in Diddy Kong Racing is everything dinosaur related. So I mean, how how do I make it so that I can drive a cart? I can use a hovercraft and then I can also use a plane. And obviously some courses, there were some restrictions. Like I think the fourth level for the Dino track was only hovercraft and plane, mm-hmm. but they used lava for the hovercraft, which I thought was really fun. Um, but there's so many different tracks that they use that utilized all three. And they were like, all three of them were viable. Um, obviously the music was great for the OST. Um, there's a couple tracks that I've heard of, like trap remixes that I'm probably going to play at a show at some point. Um, and they also introduced the, the overworld with a racing game, which mm-hmm. is a very good combination of what they know from Banjo in Donkey Kong Country and also what they know from racing games. So I think they just did a phenomenal job with that game. Fun fact, Donkey Kong Racing was their first self-published game. Hmm, that's interesting. And they were also making Donkey Diddy Kong Racing 2. And uh, that was going to be for the Game Boy or for the GameCube. But I, I think it got, like, stuck in development hell or That's something. That's when they got acquired by Microsoft. So they whoa, didn't whoa, have whoa, access whoa, whoa, to it whoa. anymore. Spoilers. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. And the, but it wasn't, like, the 64 version. They were, like, riding animals and shit. Something like, it, was, remember, it was Donkey
1: Kong Racing. That was yeah, yeah Donkey there.
0: Kong Racing. Because I remember seeing, like, the tech demo for it or something at E3, like, a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And, like, the footage is just all them riding animals. And it looked kind of stupid. But, I mean, regardless, there's... There's so many titles that we could touch on in the n64 era so i'm curious like what games you guys particularly remember can we
1: name them all real quick like what are the games that came up for kazooie uh, tui okay um, so
0: blast
2: Golden goldeneye um diddy kong racing we actually talked about obviously mm-hmm. uh banjo kazooie um jet force gemini mm-hmm. donkey kong 64 um they had too many games man they had so, um banjo Conker's, we said that right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Conker's Bad for a Day. And that was like, that was their last one before they ended up too. Uh, That was their last. um, I'm pretty sure Conker's
0: was on the same engine as Banjo. Mm -hmm. And then then they
2: also did, um, they did one game for GameCube. It was that RPG. Star Fox Adventures. Yeah, that RPG Star (laughs) Fox game. Yeah, that Um, one's rough. We'll talk about that.
0: Um, So
1: I feel like literally every single one of those games is like,
0: Trail,
1: like trailblazing. Yeah, like absolutely. Like all those are like staples for the N64, like their entire lineup. Like how many studios can say that their entire lineup of releases for a console was like that many bangers.
0: That I many mean, bangers. D-
2: golden eye was like, that was, that was, I don't think split shooter, split screen shooters. Uh, like, I think that was literally the first game that had mm-hmm. like multiplayer. They had screen. that shit like,
1: banjo Tooie they had the did, multiplayer did they? mode.
2: Oh, yeah. Okay. They had the shooting. in Um, yeah. and the, I remember the cool thing about like the, uh, golden eye was that, um, Obviously, nowadays, like we have, we're, we're accustomed to like having two sticks on the controller, right? So you have like mm. one that controls movement, one that controls your perspective, like your aim. But back then, you only had like the one stick, and you really wouldn't like. Yeah, it was tough. You didn't really, yeah. So like you, you would sway like if you went left, like it would it would move you left, and it would
0: you know it was it was different than it is. It was, now. It was similar to like how Doom had their controls where you didn't have to yes. aim; you just had to aim yes. in the right direction. Exactly. So like even if I'm facing this way and there's an enemy over there and I shoot, I'm still gonna get it. But Correct. I think that with their games. Moving the joystick in the forward and backwards vector, you would move forward and backwards. But when you would look left and right, you're also moving left and right. And then you could like hold Z and then you can aim with the stick, but you had to be standing still. Correct.
2: Yeah. And so like being able to golden I think came out like a year or two after the movie actually came out, still mm. sold really well. Obviously again, everybody like, I'm sure there's a lot of people who have, like, <laughs> not fond memories of, like, that one person picking, like, what's his name? Odd job. Odd job and he's, like, so short, you can't shoot him. Yeah, so you're going to kill like, him. You have to, like, aim down, but then he would move, and then he have like,
0: move again. Like, it was... Yeah, he was, he was the unbalanced character, for It was so shitty. Sure. Um,
2: and then what else? Perfect Dark came out. And, like, I, I think the cool thing about these games is that, again, shooters, that wasn't really a huge thing back then. Um, but you were able to, like, also use, like, different gadgets. And it wasn't more than just, like... Go here, kill people and shoot people. Like it would, you would. They were games essentially about like. Well, everybody knows what James Bond is like. Double Seven. It's like a spy film, and then same thing with Perfect Dark. So like you know, you could. You could sneak into different areas and stuff like that you know so it was kind of like it's o- this open ended thing. Um, Perfect
1: Dark actually so that was the last thing I saw a video on and it got a lot of acclaim because even though I didn't play the game it seems like one it was built off GoldenEye so they already had an infrastructure for the game yep. Yep. they had more kind of flexibility with the theming because there was like aliens and espionage and like mm-hmm. you know you weren't constrained to reality so they can get a little more wacky with it Yep. and Perfect Dark they actually push and Rare has a history of doing this at least in the N64 area Perfect Dark pushed the game so So hard that it was literally to the limit of what the N64 was uh, capable of without a certain accessory. So, oh, the expansion pack, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, you know what? uh, What game that came free with?
2: Uh, six, Donkey Kong
1: 64 Donkey right? Kong 64 yep. so they did it again but after developing Perfect Dark it was like we need something So, and I
2: remember I remember actually watching a video on that and it was like literally all that was it was like 2 megabytes of RAM or something like that was that was big back then though yeah. that was <laughs> huge <laughs> back then dude <laughs> nowadays it's like oh yeah you know I got this one 16 gigabyte
0: stick you know in my in my computer dude my one, like, my M.2 is a terabyte <laughs> Well, Apparently so Nintendo was things, developing
1: but... some form of CD drive that the N64 would stack yeah. on top of that would help with yep. that. But, sold off, yeah. but it didn't come out in time for Donkey Kong, so they needed to come up with something else. So Nintendo, because of their relationship with Rare, developed the expansion pack specifically for Donkey Kong, and then there were other games eventually that used Donkey it. Donkey Kong
2: 64 is also like one of the most...
0: Broken games. It's on the Mount Rushmore of bucket games. It's so glitchy, and uh, I. <laughs> have you ever seen a speed run for it? It's wild. <laughs> I have not. So it's it's probably similar to Pokemon Blue or Red and Blue. It's so because it, it, like in those games, there's like games, no hit
3: like
2: like hit the texture on like the walls or something, right? Like, well,
0: it's because the way that the the 3D models were done and the way that the physics are processed on the N64. I think this game specifically, you could. Depending on what animations you did and you could just get out of bounds like, like that. And they didn't have like enough QA testing to determine like where all the kill zones should be. So mm-hmm. it was very easy to get through it. And then also there was like something up with the how they like managed inventory. And I think you could easily manipulate essentially an item is associated with a number. Mm-hmm. And depending on like some inputs, if you do one in particular, you can like grab any item out from your bag. Oh. but like there isn't like a, code execution yeah there, there. isn't any inventory system though yeah. so it's like there's just a, a number being held in memory and when you go to pick something up it just automatically picks something up so you might pick up a giant watermelon out of nowhere as long as you did the correct inputs oh very cool yeah, yeah the, I, I remember watching the speed run for um, Donkey Kong 64 so on uh, games done quick I'm gonna look it up right now what the current like yeah and I'm just like oh man it. this Come should on. be interesting are you gonna go pee I have to pee so bad are you kidding me I, I literally asked him did you pee before no. you I did. Yeah.
2: We can talk about sports. Yo, yeah, I'm down. We can talk about sports. Yo, fuck, okay, Man- so, fuck Rob Manfred.
0: Yeah, so after <laughs> once Robert gets back, we'll get back to Donkey Kong 64. We'll put a pin in that. But looks like Kyrie Irving might play again. Yo, is he going to get vaccinated? I don't know. Oh, may, I, I actually have no idea. Is Ben
2: Simmons getting traded? Um,
0: That's like that's a great question. There's, is he still not
2: playing because of his mental health
0: or whatever? Yes. Yeah. Oh, jeez. How's the MLB going? <sighs>
2: um... The owners are greedy. I don't care what anybody says. There's no such thing as a poverty franchise. Just cheap owners, because every franchise is valued at over a million. Excuse me, a billion dollars. Um, I thought the Marlins were valued at 990 million. The Mar- actually looked this up because we were talking about this earlier. The Marlins are the lowest value, rated at 1.2 billion, if I'm not mistaken.
0: 1.2 billion. 1.2
2: billion. Yep. Well, how much do the players get paid in the MLB? So okay, so. Everybody always thinks like they always hear about the big signing like Max Scherzer got, you know, Mike Trout 300, you know, 30 million per year to pitch, you know, X amount of games a year or something like that. But the thing is, is that for every one guy that makes like that much money, there's like 500 guys in the MLB that are like replacement or like regular like level that get paid the minimum 500k. Yeah.
0: So. All right. Well, I mean, that's still 500k.
2: I mean, yeah, but you have to remember, like, you got to think about other things like, you know, like, um. Housing—you have to find only housing for a specific time of, you know, the, the the year. You have to also have to like figure about if your family, you know, if your family is going to stay somewhere else, and all these different things. What if you get traded in the middle of the season? You have to uproot everything in the middle, you know. So like, a lot of these things. Oh, welcome back. Well, fuck Rob Manfred. That's all I have to say.
0: Well, I know that the uh, the Lakers are trying to trade for um, Westbrook right now. Westbrook? It's because they. So I was actually looking up like this, um, the clutch statistics. Westbrook, I think, is like second or third. So. Yeah, what if Westbrook. For Ben?
2: Went to the Nets. For the then, Nets?
0: And then Kyrie went to the League. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure Kyrie's going to retire if they trade him. Really? You think so? Well, I think he said that. Oh, geez. Yeah, so I don't think that's actually going to happen. But I do think Ben Simmons is going to get traded eventually. Because um, I know the trade deadline is coming up soon. Steph Curry, though. Steph Curry's having Steph an MVP Curry. year. Hey, we
2: should have mentioned that. Steph yeah, Curry broke
0: the record. He just broke the record for Bro- three pointers Bro- made. He broke Ray Allen's record, was it? Yeah, in 511 short, um, fewer games. I know about sports. Steph Curry with Joe Burrow.
1: How could you not mention Steph Curry, guys? Yo,
2: you have any more Tyler Hero Instagram facts for me? Um, (laughs) he hasn't been playing.
1: Yeah,
0: sorry. Oh, what? Yeah, he's hurt too. Uh, Isn't like everybody hurt? Uh, wait, who? Tyler? Tyler Hero. Yeah, I mean, the the entire Heat roster is is hurt right now, but we're still beating good teams, so I don't mind. (laughs) Anyways, Donkey Kong Country or Donkey Kong 64, banger game on the Mount Rushmore of broken games to play.
2: Yeah, I think we can just kind of go on from here. I think it's a good point to go from. I mean, basically, sixty-four. was another big time for them. It was. I think the thing you could say about Rare is that starting from their early days in the NES, where they made literally, you know, like you were saying, sixty games. They there was a very obvious shift of from what we were talking about earlier, from quality to, or excuse me, quantity to quality. Oh, you for know? sure. And then the S. That's when we have the SNES. They didn't make as nearly as many games in the SNES or the sixty-four as they did the NES, but how many games can you name that they've made for the any the SNES or the N64 that they've made for the NES? You know, like, you can probably mm-hmm. name it a lot more. You know what I'm saying? So, like... Um, well,
1: production, again, kind of like the jumping of systems, production of, like, cost gets higher and higher. For sure. With the changing of each system. And uh, also, systems back then lasted a lot longer, too, right? Like, the, consoles, the, the yeah, time in between the generations. generations was much longer back in the beginning, the first couple generations, for sure. So, you had a bigger window of, like... For N sixty four, for example, how long was that? I feel like
0: that was like ninety six yeah. to two thousand one. I wonder if there's like years, a video game generation page. Yeah, I want to say. Well, I mean, it's not like they stopped making games after two thousand one or like when the new console comes out. They're I always, I
2: always think like the I year was two thousand one. I want to say the GameCube was O two actually. We'll check it.
0: Jamie look that up.
2: But yeah, that's me, right? Mm-hmm.
0: Where's the Where's the sound? Oh, do it! Shit, do it! I've gotta, I gotta got a fancy soundboard machine. Uh, there we yeah. Here we go. Look it up. All right. Um, I'm saying 2001 for the GameCube. Okay, so the NES
2: uh, was introduced in 91, and it was discontinued in 03. The Damn. N64 uh, was introduced in 96, and discontinued in 02. And then the next generation after that, which was the GameCube, was... North America and Japan, you're right. Was 2001 in Europe? It was 2002. There I it specifically,
0: re- it's a shitty memory, but I specifically remember being hyped about it, and that also being the year 9/11 happened. Oh, yeah, right. that's how that's how I remember it. Interesting, because I think
2: uh, I know the PlayStation came out before that. The Dreamcast. Yeah, PlayStation Two Dreamcast was came 2000, out before I think. that too.
1: You guys ever had a Dreamcast? That's probably one of my nope. favorite systems. We over. could do an episode on the Dream. Oh, you! I know, know nothing. Oh, dude, about the Dreamcast. I'd be so down. Uh, anything would, Sega related? Someone, <laughs> someone write that. We got to write that down. Uh, I don't know anything about episode. the Dreamcast. I would I love do. to do doing it. I know Taxi.
0: Dreamcast. That game was fun. Crazy Taxi. Yeah, Crazy Taxi. One, one of my was favorite about
2: one of my favorite facts about game. the uh, the Dreamcast is that there was no absolutely no copyright protection. So like you could literally burn any game onto just any disc and put it in your Dreamcast. What was the point of the screen on the controller? There was like oh, the little... VMU. Mm-hmm. It was just cool back then, I guess. You, Did like it like do anything? Pet. There was like like a was... little pet in there. You could do like something like that. Yeah, yeah it was, I think it was supposed to like. I mean, the success of like the Tamagotchi
0: and all that shit back mm-hmm. then. I remember always wanting one, but being like. That's what poor kids have. So I was just like, "Well, <laughs>
3: <Jesus> <laughs> not wrong in my kidding. case. Not wrong well, in my I'm case." I'm
0: kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> now I don't want to talk about the Dreamcast anymore. Goddamn <laughs> shit. It's just because like all the memes that I read about, like how Sonic is a poor man's Mario and all this other shit. Dude,
1: I and, like Sonic.
0: I like Sonic too. The movies right. look fucking sick. We're vibing to some Sonic music. Early. I am fully bought in on the conspiracy theory that they fucked up Sonic intentionally.
2: Oh, so like fix it and then like dude, yeah, we They, talked had it, they that. already had about that. Didn't we talk about that last time? No,
3: I don't
1: think so.
2: Well, we talked about that how in general like how companies will Yeah, like how they purposely something fuck something up oh, to get traction. Well. Mm-hmm.
0: I think they purposely did that for the Sonic movie. But anyways, back to rare. Okay.
2: So, so. rare, so <laughs> N64, yeah. And yeah. do we want to make any more um, Love Danger Kazooie. And it is, is
0: Phenomenal So game. iconic. Yeah, Banjo definitely. Banjo too, was, what was your more favorite, Tui or Kazooie? Kazooie by far. So I was actually talking to him about this, and I agree with you. I think that Tui was a little bit more gritty in too open world. The world, the levels were too big. It was definitely
2: a different focus, yeah. Because I, would cause say cause I remember
0: a lot of the levels from Tui, because I played it recently. So they only had one spooky level in Banjo-Kazooie, which was Mad Monster Mansion. Mm-hmm. And... There was probably like three or four eerie, creepy levels in Tui because yeah. the, one of them was the circus. I remember that mm-hmm. one specifically. The alien circus, kind of yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. One of them uh, was like this underwater area and then another one was like this like fucked up town and like in the forest and like you would get turned into a washing machine, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I, d- I just remember having more fond memories of o- just opening Banjo-Kazooie on Christmas and playing it. I think I got all the way up to the snow world on Christmas Day because... I just was like binging it. And is a hell of a drug, dude. I was probably, you should try Molly. Just kidding. Don't do that. <laughs> but, anyways. That came out of so, right. yeah, don't do drugs. Drugs are fucking awful for you. <laughs> but so, specifically with that, I remember just playing the hell out of it Mumbo's Mountain, Treasure Trove Cove, um, Bubble Goop Swamp, Freezy's Easy Peak, Gobi's Desert, Mad Monster Mansion. The forest. You think they named name.
2: all those Just Like Mario 64 on purpose?
0: What do you mean, Just Like Mario?
2: Well, how in Mar- Super Mario 64, how they had like, like... Alliterations? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, cool, I think, cool it, just mountain, I think uh, it just rolls dire, off the So Miyamoto or,
1: actually was consulted on the development of Banjo-Kazooie. So like, mountain. they made Miyamoto made Mario and like Miyamoto also kind of helped... Push Banjo in the right direction, so that's why the game. You can kind you of like, oh, them. Banjo kind of like ripped Mario, but it's like, well, you literally had the guy. I mean, made I think Mario they're so different Banjo. though. They yeah, are. Hundred so percent. Sure. I
0: mm-hmm. think in so many different ways they're very different because Mario had literally nothing to go off of. Mm-hmm. They just were like, we're we're kind of relying on you, Miyamoto. And at least with Banjo, they it was one of those things where I think they iterated on it. There, there were other things that you could do. Flying was we're, we're really make an fun.
2: Executive decision. say so we got thirty minutes left.
0: Oh my god! Already yeah holy shit okay we got to get through this then all right well scratch what i was gonna say so to transition into the next era they had a game coming mm-hmm. out at the very end of the n64 which was star- um dinosaur adventures i forgot what it was called the but, original title yeah the original title okay. but miyamoto just whipped his dick out and was like "Put us star fox in there mm-hmm and they and were he, just like—he has a
1: history of doing this. Diddy Kong Racing is only Diddy Kong Racing because at the very end of the development cycle, Rarity had the game with everyone in there except for Diddy Kong, and it came out before Banjo and Conquer. So this is—you were gonna get a taste of Banjo and Conquer as characters—and then at the very end, Miyamoto was like, "This needs a Nintendo character. Put Diddy Kong in there." And then mm-hmm. they're like, uh, "Okay,
0: yeah." And it Still did worked. sell. Yeah, it sell. It, it
1: sell. It sell uh, much better because of it. But like Miyamoto definitely has done that a lot.
0: Yeah. Me. So Star Fox Adventures was the birth of that. And you should actually look this up. The original game files for the N64 version of that Dinosaur Planet game got released recently, like within the past couple of years. And the main character was Crystal. But when, you know, Miyamoto put his dick out and he was like, "Yo, put Fox in there. That was one of the games that I felt like it was forced and it didn't necessarily make sense.
1: Yeah, because the story, if you took out all the st- if you remember Star Fox Adventures on the GameCube, I feel like game. if you took out all the Star Fox parts, the
0: story still worked. Like The only Star ne- Fox part was flying to a different planet. Exactly. Literally everything else was original. Was different, yeah. yeah because the,
1: the narrative didn't focus on Star Fox. The narrative was already there. You you were just Star Fox going through this story, but you yeah. didn't need to be
0: Star Fox. It was it was really silly the way they did it because they they basically threw out the main being this female fox and of course star fox like falls in love with her whatever and i i remember telling you about this that was a long and hard fucking game to it play. was yes and, like if if there was ever going to be a game that was legitimately rated t that game was legitimately rated t there was no easy mode mm-hmm. dude. those levels and puzzles were fucking difficult the
1: only thing i could reference as a i got stuck playing that part of a game as many times as i did in star fox adventures was the water temple in ocarina of time i but never played it it's it's just fucking archaic and really you never played
2: ocarina of time that, i don't like legend of Zelda. that
1: dungeon specifically is notorious as being like incredibly cryptic wow. and difficult yeah so i just remember like i love the game and the aesthetic of it and i remember the feeling of playing it and being like there's always a part where awesome. you don't
0: but you don't like it and there's, it, there's some part of the game that you do not
1: like well it's just that i would get stuck i would it like and i wasn't dumb i'd played plenty of games at this point but it would can't just go be online like, looking for help nope. can't look up a youtube video not nah, this time Mm-mm. you only you had game faqs and you would have to pray to god that someone the had Prima typed guide? out a fucking 50 page essay on how to beat the game but like that w- that was community support at the time that wasn't like official roots, yeah that wasn't official like people putting out guides for the games
0: yeah, so was Star Fox Adventures the last rare title for Nintendo?
1: That was the last main console rare.
2: Main console. Yes. They still made more stuff Game Boy, for the right? GBA, correct, afterwards because after their acquisition with Xbox or from excuse me, their acquisition by Microsoft, Microsoft. in 02, I believe it was. Um Yeah, Bill Gates whipped out his dick and was since, like Since since they didn't have um since Microsoft didn't have a stake in the handheld market, they still allowed them to work on games and IPs for nintendo for the gba mm-hmm. um and then even the ds because there were some titles for the ds Yeah, there's a
1: diddy kong racing game for the ds was it
2: by rare though yeah yeah yeah, it it was. yeah, yeah. um but then when they moved to when they moved to the xbox that's when they kind of um i guess um how this, do we this is we...
1: honestly the part in rare history where it starts to get a little fuzzy because yeah. you know they're talking about with ryan earlier they're the history of the um, the studio is so front-loaded, like you know, we've obviously they're on the come-up right now. Though. They are back I mean, on the come-up, yes. They but are. they were so pivotal, you know. There was a lot of great titles, even mm-hmm. talking about the N64. But the thing is, this is in retrospect. At the time, um, there was still a lot being sorted out about. Projection of sales and console games, and the fact that their last couple titles, Banjo Tooie, I think Perfect Dark came out on the back end. Yeah, so Even there was though- a
2: lot of games like Perfect Dark. Actually, was a very it was a very well received yes, game, but, but it did not sell well, no. very mm. well at all. Um, Sounds like F Zero. And that w- <laughs> and that was actually a lot of their pro- uh, a lot of the problems with a lot of their 360 titles. Um, Perfect Dark Zero. Perfect Dark Zero was actually a launch title for the 360. Mm -hmm. Um, It was,
0: I remember playing that game.
1: It was pretty
2: fun. I mean, back then, playing Perfect Dark for the N64, and then wow, it's a launch title. Well, that's why Nintendo let go of them
1: because, like, you know, the last couple projects that Nintendo had given the money for were not were commercially not viable. So, and I know they did go through a lot of
2: um, um, like changes inside of like their own industry. Um, I know a bunch of people ended up leaving, and they formed a new studio. Uh, The people who actually made time splitters
0: mm-hmm. um
2: they, they were, those are people who used to work on rare oh, and nice. then they, they went and they made i forget what the studio name is for them um i mean even the people that made what's that one game that came out fairly recently ukulele it, ukulele yeah that's platonic platonic yeah so like so you know you know there's there's been people from rare that's that's moved on just like any you know company you know yeah like you're gonna have talent that filters in but um
1: uh, another side note about the development studio and what was like working there. It was incredibly arduous. Like
0: like Bill Cosby boy stuff?
1: <laughs> they were, no, nothing like that. At least nothing that's come out about that. So the only, in the I think from what I remember hearing, the only time that in the SNES dev cycle days, that team, the only time they had off was two Christmases. Every single day besides two Christmases that they remember having off, they were working. They mm-hmm. went to work. They only had... in in the whole gap of producing for the Super Nintendo, they had those two days off. That's it. Uh. So in the span of like five, six years of development and they really liked games. They wanted people who loved games, but obviously that's a gross human rights violation. Um, That's not okay. Work-life balance is needed, but you know, that's how they were able to do this because they had a team of people who were like incredibly dedicated. They knew that they were trailblazing. They were invested in not only in the studio, but you know, the industry and kind of doing that. But, uh, yeah, it's only because they were working them to death, essentially.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, that's just... Uh, you still hear about that today, unfortunately. Yeah, I was going to say, that's just kind of a expectation yeah. now of working in the game industry, which kind of mm-hmm. sucks. But and that's why it's good that all this other shit that's happening right now with the studios of all those wild um, you know, work-life mm-hmm. balance issues and like all this sexual misconduct stuff that's been going on. Glad people are like, starting to speak out and... Obviously it's weird because it's one of those things that you just love video games so much, but at some point it does become a job and I wouldn't, I've, I've had that for like firsthand experience. So you really do have to love that job specifically. Um, but I wanted to mention some of the Microsoft titles that they're not, they're not bad, but they were, they weren't to like the level they had of success that they had with the mid '90s, yeah, late late '90s. Anything
1: that came out for the Xbox, that's a gap in my knowledge. I need even know. So, next. Grab by
0: the Ghoulies was, the Ghoulies a, was a decent a game. game. That was a that was an Xbox launch title, yes. I think, right? Uh, I don't know if it was a launch title, but Cameo was a launch title for the 360. I played that game. Cameos. Uh yeah, so that was a good game, and they actually did a release a banjo for the Xbox 360 in was, 2008. Wasn't that good though? Was well, so Robert actually disagrees. Let's talk about it. Nuts yeah. and bolts. Yeah. You so like it? I thought I thought the <laughs> I, I aesthetic I just was it great. and cringed the entire no, dude, time. Oh, dude, the first level, the aesthetic, the the banter, it felt like a banjo game 100%. until I had to go into Mumbo's workshop or like Mumbo Mur- uh, Motors, mm-hmm. and I was just like man, I really don't want to do this. and Because I would get frustrated because I would always be torn between I want to make something that I like and seems fun, but then it doesn't accomplish. It's not functional. Yeah, it doesn't function. So I'm just like, oh my God, dude, this fucking sucks. Mm-hmm. So I, the thing that I wish they had in that game was just give me like a suggestion. Mm-hmm. Give me like, hey, maybe build something like this and then I can build upon that. So maybe they have A base build of a car that's fast, but then I can just, like, edit it.
1: So, they did have that. You just had to unlock them. They were called blueprints. Yeah, that's fucking stupid. But it's not included. See, I don't
0: even remember that, and I play that game a lot. I just remember thinking, like, damn, dude, this kind of fucking sucks.
1: So, if you didn't actively seek those out, you didn't have them. So...
0: Yeah. Okay. I I didn't know that. I totally forgot about it. But
1: that's that's because you can go through a whole game and only have like the normal cart and that's it. And like you don't have uh, you haven't unlocked these blueprints. But dude, the
0: overworld was great. I thought the art was great. I thought the models looked good. It it genuinely felt like a Banjo Kazooie game. It's and Grant I'm pretty sure Grant Kirkhope did the the soundtrack for Mm -hmm. it. And that's why it felt so great. But it it just I, I didn't think that that was a necessary step to go. Yeah. So, did you guys ever play Viva Pinata?
1: I loved Viva Pinata. Oh yeah, my Viva God. Pinata how have I banger. forgotten this? Yeah. That was a banger game. Dude, too. I played the shit out of Viva Pinata with Gene. Number one and two. We played like 200, 300 hours of Viva Pinata. That's what I
0: think of when I see the Pinata in uh, Fortnite. I was like, why don't Viva That's, that's yeah. fair. And yeah.
1: I'm like, oh uh, shit. No, that. Horstachio. That, that's yeah. his name. He looked like a little Horstachio. Yeah. Um. Yes. That was a
2: great game, too. I yeah. mean, it's just, I, I think that's kind of the thing, though. It's like after the SNES era and their N64 era is like they kind of had like slight little glimmers bangers. yeah well, you know so like here and there how but much like,
0: of it was Microsoft telling them to make these types of games too because they had a whole st- um, tenure with the Connect, and some of those titles actually sold pretty well so there was I Connect. I know they came out Connect with Kinect Adventures s- Connect Sports
2: there, Connect Sports I know that one came out uh, as like a a challenger to to We Sports. We Sports, yeah. Um and I know that sold really well, but like a lot of their other connect titles just didn't do well at all. Well, that's
1: cuz the connect didn't do well. Hey, at
2: I all. had yeah. fun.
0: The dancing games
2: for Connect, yeah. whatever they were, Dance I actually Central had fun. Dance Central.
0: Was it Dance Central?
2: There was a bunch, Something but Dance Central guy. was one of them. We I had know. a Connect, we I we played it, was, it
0: but I, I had fun. It was too, it,
1: that felt that felt gimmicky to 14-year-old Robert. Like I remember being like this is kind of I had fun gimmicky.
0: playing it. Dance Central was fun. I never played I actually I think I did play Connects Connect Adventures, but It it, it was just, it was a weird time for Rare. So, Connect Sports and
2: Connect Sports Season 2, Connect Sports Rivals, Mm -hmm. those were their
0: Connect games. I also believe the Stamper Brothers left in 2008. Yes. I believe so, yeah. They left their. That was a a pretty big thing. That was,
1: was it after or before the release of Nuts and
0: Bolts? I think that was like right after. Because 2008 was Nuts and Bolts, Mm -hmm. and they might have left in 2007.
2: Oh, seven. the Stamper's Riff Rare.
0: Yeah, I think they just, like, invested in a, a mobile company or something, and they had other ventures. I actually think one of their wives still worked at uh, at Rare, but I could be mistaken. Um, but, yeah, it was just, like, a weird time for them because they never really had, like, a true footing with, like, an identity anymore.
1: Well, from my perspective, you know, uh, when I keep hearing about early Rare, Nintendo gave them... Ultimate freedom. They did for the Nintendo entertainment of the system. Home run. And then for Super Nintendo, they continued to give them freedom, but they had to streamline their game process with an IP that they picked. And they also made their own IPs with Banjo Kazooie. So they had. They were making, uh, gaining clout off Nintendo's properties and establishing yeah. properties of their own. And then the Microsoft comes along and like. I, you know, I could only assume that like Microsoft kind of My uh,
2: guess is they probably tried to do like back then what they did like recently. Like now it pays in dividends because we'll mm-hmm. mention it again because Game Pass. But like back then they were probably like, oh, they came out with all these games, they're all really good and like we're gonna buy them. And then the, Well Microsoft didn't like,
1: have any established properties like Nintendo did, you know? Like they had uh Halo, but like at the time that Microsoft uh, like acquired um rare like what what were like the big microsoft uh properties like the like that you would associate with microsoft
2: for the 360 era
0: like or just, just, just for the xbox no
1: like let's say i'm j- microsoft i just acquired rare right now it's you know the xbox era what do i what do people associate with microsoft gaming that it's not, it's much different getting acquired by microsoft than it was nintendo because halo was really big though
0: halo, but halo
2: yes. i feel like it's hard to say though because halo was an internal thing by them like wasn't like was, isn't halo owned by like the ip is owned by microsoft itself like, i think so and bungie was the one who worked on it like that is an actual first party thing whereas rare is they were essentially a third party company that then ended up becoming like a second party when they got okay. funding from nintendo but then eventually when they ended up getting bought out by microsoft they ended up becoming a part of what is it xbox game right. studios is like their mm-hmm. big conglomerate of all that stuff for like it, their it's, what i'm from. saying is it
1: seems like nintendo gave them freedom and support and money where Microsoft maybe was a little more restricting in in terms of what they would develop and what they would have a hand in
2: I guess I guess I can understand but yeah I guess I can see where you're coming from the only thing is that they really did have back then was Halo mm-hmm. though and it's not they're not going to rip an ip from some company that's already been working on it for however long i also remember reading give it to them you know
1: that *Viva piñata comes out and *Viva piñata was a very successful game they came out there was like a tv show that came out um a second game spin-offs but the thing is and microsoft's chosen promotional material *Viva piñata was missing so
2: yep they didn't that was another thing they didn't market uh their rare games very well they did not so they were really upset
1: because it's like they finally get a banger and then you know Microsoft was just pushing the shit out of Halos, which, understandably, you're not. All gonna... right. I think
2: at the time when Viva Pinata came out, it was um, Gears of War.
1: Oh, that okay. was the big one. That so was yeah, the time. So yeah, Gears of War, Halo, I definitely would associate with Microsoft. Down the road, um, but yeah, I liked nuts and bolts. The music was good. The vibe was good. I really liked the mechanic of the um, oh, making the, the 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 carts and all that stuff. Um, I thought that the main hub world was beautiful. I was a lot of fun to like explore. But, yes, I do agree that, like, would I trade nuts and bolts for just like a 360 Banjo-Kazooie? Of course, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, But I don't don't think the game is as bad as people say. I think that this is probably one of the first examples of a game being set up in our childhood and then a remake coming down way down the line, and they tried something new, Mm -hmm. and they learned that, at least in the way they did it, not the move. Not the
0: move. Yeah, so, I mean, I I, I want to make sure that we can get through all the pieces, so... We're almost there. We're in, the, we're in like, the Xbox yeah, 360 I mean, we can, era.
2: We, we can go we through can Connect. Prob- I mean, there's not really a whole lot that goes after this. They, they did a couple games for the Connect, and then... Well, they got a banger out right now. Well, that's what I was going to say. We can probably take those, this last little bit to kind of finish it so up. So let's talk...
1: The, the last five years, essentially, that's their, their stepping I'll say, back into the limelight.
2: I'll say this much. After Nuts and Bolts, I totally forgot about Rare up until... Um, what was it that came out?
1: Rare Replay. So yep. Rare Replay, when it came out that in 2015. That was, was
2: their 30th anniversary, I think it was. Yeah. Um, and they had all those... I think it was 30 games, And it right? sold a
1: fuck ton. It yeah, made yeah. a bunch of money. I
2: remember I really wanted an Xbox One just because of Rare Replay. Yeah. Rare Replay <laughs> yeah. was great. And a lot yeah. of people
1: agreed with you because that essentially revitalized Let's the company. Let's see
0: what was on Rare Replay. I'm just curious. Everything. Yeah. And... Uh, I actually remember when they uh, acquired Rare because they had the Microsoft store and they had like old games on there that you could get. And Banjo-Kazooie was one of them. And I, remember, I remember, that. remember
1: that. was actually really big when they were, because um, Nintendo was doing that with their console. So yeah, Microsoft's was- like, check out our old games. And- yeah.
0: It was like an HD-ish yeah. like Pretty
1: much every thing.
2: single every single game that isn't related to an IP with Nintendo is on here. Mm-hmm. All the Banjo-Kazooies, all the Viva Pinatas, all the Jetpack games, both the Darks, Grabbed
0: by Ghouls is on there. Battletoads is on there.
2: Battletoads is on there. They actually made a newer Battletoads,
0: I think. I think recently that came out, yeah. Um, I want yeah, there to be a PC port of wherever you play so bad,
1: but they haven't done it, and it makes me sad. Yeah. So, I'm really
0: surprised it's on
2: I think it's on
3: Game
1: Pass actually. Yeah, I think, I think, so. I think so too. I'm not for the, for the P- PC though. I think it might. I would double check it might. Uh, bro, if not, might, if might, not. Might then be blown today. Shoot. I'm about to throw down.
0: Yeah, so I think the biggest game that the, there's two things that I want to talk about, which is uh Sea of Thieves, yep. which we played a good amount of, and then Banjo's appearance Ultimate. So mm-hmm. with, with Sea of Thieves, it's not a game that I would traditionally play, but playing with friends is a lot of fucking fun. For sure. Because
1: so, we played Sea of Thieves in 2020, right? During, during the quarantine, yeah, we, we were wanted just a game a bunch to of play games. together, and we were just burning through shit. So during the Steam summer sale, I believe, we all got Sea of Thieves. And I agree. My experience of it was super fun. I loved the art style. It was really fun. We played it for, like, I think 20, 30 hours collectively. Yeah. yeah you bought the banjo like skin for the ship. Oh, immediately. Mm-hmm. I think it was cool, though. That,
2: like That was Rare's kind of undertaking at a live service game. Mm-hmm. They, like, MMO? Kind of-
3: I don't
1: know.
2: I mean you guys have played it more f- to world, make that sure. distinction for me. He um, says it is. I'm I not say sure. technically
1: it's an MMO. You have a bunch of people online. Yes, it's segmented into servers, but like you still have upwards of like thousands of concurrent players all being separated into servers. And I think there are other games that have done it like that and still they're technically classified as mmos
0: yeah i mean the i remember all of the random encounters are a lot of fun like when you had to fight the giant megalodon or like mm-hmm. the, the fucking kraken and uh, during e3 it was either last year or the year before they had a really big crossover with a disney ip which is Pirates of the caribbean and they had like Captain jack in it and they had um davy jones or whoever the fuck that is um but Tom they Martin had octopus looking yeah, guy. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But they, they, that's a that's a really big IP for to sure, It wasn't always that general. way,
1: though, because I remember on release, sea, sea of Thieves was actually... It was, yeah, not, it was not... People did good. not yeah. like it. Yeah. It didn't It's run one well. of the games
0: that started out poopy, but the developers stuck with it. Mm-hmm. Um, very much so like uh, No Man's Sky. I don't know if you guys remember yes, that game. I was actually about to mention it. Yeah. Um, but so it got a lot of really good um, dev support. They didn't throw it away like Cyberpunk, because I'm pretty sure like that game isn't getting many updates these days um but so the random encounters were a lot of fun the pvp was surprisingly fun mm-hmm. um doing all the little management stuff was fun too because like we would get hit from a cannonball and i would like some of us would have to go who's down and like who's yeah. taking
1: the water out the ship who's yeah, fighting you had to do you know? all that
0: shit and someone had to be like the captain and everything who's
1: navigating
2: who's
0: got the map Are you listening to like she sea shanties while you're playing it in yeah the time? music was good too <laughs> and we didn't get like too deep into it i think we, like you said like 20 or 30 hours yeah. and we were really just doing like the PVE side quests and shit. There wasn't any like main dungeons. We never got like that deep no, in the not, game. No, yeah, not that We deep. probably got to the very beginning of the mid game. Like we were out of the Fatui and we we're out of the, the early parts of it. So like we were able to like establish ourselves in like a, a port. We had a really cool ship with the banjo stuff. And I know that they actually had a UNSC skin for Halo that came out recently. So oh, really? Like that, yeah like a warthog on the water god damn (laughs) (laughs) there's just like the sail and like the cannonball stuff it's like a different skin similar to the banjo one but i know that that game's still doing well um i usually see it doing having or having a lot of views on twitch regularly so i also know that their community is pretty um um what's the word i'm looking for vibrant not vibrant but it's a it's a pretty active community for sure kind of like what i was
1: talking about with animal crossing i know for a fact there's streamers and content creators who like Exclusively play Sea of Thieves.
0: Yes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And like I know a couple of my coworkers. They play the shit out of that game and they regularly talk about it. Um, Zach. You guys know who Zach is. He's a Thea- Sea of Thieves boy? He's a Sea of Thieves boy. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's invited me to play a couple times That's and so like so. motherfucker is deep into Sea of Thieves. So, so <laughs> I would like, have never <laughs> expected that from the Yeah. I would not have uh. <laughs> Yeah. But so I mean it's the same thing. You're just playing with a bunch of friends. Gotcha. Um, but I did enjoy my time in Sea of Thieves. If you guys haven't like checked it out, you definitely should. It's a lot of fun, especially with friends.
1: So my take on why it, it got the dev support it needed was you know, Sea of Thieves came out in the gap of... I mean, Halo was still coming out, right? Um, so Halo was still a Microsoft title, but I feel like this was kind of when... Microsoft was kind of sorting out who would be the new face of, um, of their games and their like video game franchises. So I remember going to the Microsoft store in the mall and like, every time I went with my family, I would always go and you'd always have like, you know, all the old three hundred and sixty big IPs up on the walls and be like, Oh, this is so cool. And then I go one day during when sea of thieves released and everything on the wall is just sea of thieves. And I'm just like, (laughs) what? And like, it was like that for years. And I was just like, And it's true. Microsoft made a very big push to Mm -hmm. be like Sea of Thieves is going to be like a staple game on this console. Um, So it wasn't just the fact like I'm sure it was the fact that devs computers support it. But like Microsoft was also pushing the game very hard. Uh, And this is also when Microsoft went all in on Minecraft, too, which, again, could be its own episode. But oh, we
0: we should do a Minecraft episode. Oh, my
1: God. Dude, Minecraft revolutionized the last 10 years of gaming. I just sit here like there's a Minecraft
0: generation now. Bro. That's what they're called. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so I know that we're kind of short for time. Minecrafters. And well, I was going to say we can probably go to like 30 and then like the last five minutes can be wrapped up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so the last thing that I, th- the most important thing. So I've talked so many so many times with you guys about like why isn't there a remake or a remaster of Banjo-Kazooie? I want it so bad. And, uh, and when you look at games like Conquer or not Conker, um, Crash Bandicoot mm-hmm. and Spyro, mm-hmm. Those titles did really well. The remasters were handled very well. They even did a remake of um, Crash Team Racing, which also did pretty well. Mm-hmm. I personally didn't like it, but I really think that Bandro could probably outdo those games. Oh,
1: without a shadow of a and doubt. And I say
0: that because the hype around the Banjo Kazooie release trailer for Ultimate... Madness. ...was insane. I knew it immediately because I remember it started out with just... Donkey Kong Country characters. Like, it was Diddy, King K. Rule, and Donkey Kong. And I'm like, they fucking did it. And that was an important step because that showed that they're publicly saying they have a relationship between uh, Microsoft and Nintendo. Mm -hmm. And then recently with the thing that you were mentioning for the, it's like the new online store or whatever, like the new subscription for Nintendo. Banjo-Kazooie is going to it. They have Banjo-Kazooie on there. Yep. Right. So it's not, and you can play it on the N64 USB controller. Which is pretty cool. Um, but so not only is it on Rare Replay and it's on like uh, Microsoft Game Pass, but if I want to play it on Nintendo platform, I can do that now. Right. So I think that they actually did make a, I, I'd even be fine with the remaster. It doesn't have to be a remake. Mm-hmm. I prefer a remake, but if we just got a really beautiful looking Banjo Kazooie, I'd be pretty fucking hyped. 100%. Even if it was Banjo 3, mm-hmm. I, I would be hyped for that too, bro. be That's no. and bolts doesn't count. <laughs> absolutely not. It, it's a nuts. And, you'd have to have nuts and bolts too. It, there's too many differences. A lot of,
1: but <laughs> a lot of the content I watched on Rare was like nothing has come out recently. A lot of it was like back in like 2016, 2017, kind of 2018 when CFDs dropped. Yeah. But a lot of them were very much under the impression that nothing Banjo knew would ever come about ever again. Like there's Dude, just absolutely no way. His model mm-hmm.
0: was great in Ultimate. Um, was, his skill set, everything, it was perfect. The move set, mm-hmm. and I've thought about like so many times, like how would I design that? Has he won a major tournament yet? I don't think so. No, but he is a viable character. I'll have okay. to ch- I'll okay. check with our resident um, Smasher, Derek, um, <laughs> AKA Auxiliary. But I know that with the reception of how how, how hype everyone was about that edition, um, I have no doubt that a remaster or remake would do super well for Nintendo and for Microsoft. So it would also be hype if they released it on both Xbox Series X. I was gonna and say, well, like, what like what system would you release it on? <laughs> uh, both? Why not? That's super cool. Yeah, that'd be really fucking hype. Because um, now
1: Rare doesn't own Banjo. Microsoft does, right? Yeah, because Microsoft has have the, to the shape the of Rare. Yeah,
2: they have the rights uh, to that IP. That's that's just the that's the 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 how do you say the the. I believe in you. Oh man, now I'm drawing a blank. But I'm just saying that's like the the generation we live in now, where like these these console companies are buying these these studios up because. Instead of having like these different studios making games for their consoles, they're like, we'll just buy it and we'll keep your IP. Yeah, it's working for Microsoft right now. (laughs) And dividends. Yeah.
1: But I mean, if Microsoft doesn't have the confidence in them making a Banjo Kazooie game, because they could, Nintendo doesn't have to get in the way. Like, they let Nintendo put Banjo and Smash, but like, if Microsoft wanted to make a Banjo Kazooie right now, they totally could. And Nintendo. Yeah, there's
0: studios that specialize in that stuff too. Like, whatever studio did um, Crash Bandicoot. I know that Naughty Dog had a part in it, but I'm pretty sure that I think it's Blue Point. I know they do a lot of um, yeah. There, there's like a specific studio like that's like really like good that. at doing remakes, uh-huh. um, because the Spiral one was really good, and they actually made a uh, a brand new Crash game.
1: Well, the from a design perspective, it's kind of like what we talked about with Ukulele, how like ukulele if you played it was a spiritual successor to banjo because yes yeah, so we should it.
0: mention ukulele for sure um so it came Did out you guys play it? When it, i played it i bought it and then i never played it because i i read I so like many it. reviews that it was just like they get you with the nostalgia and that's really it
1: so yeah, I, I like it too much i i only played the first two levels and i agree like it's not that i didn't like it but it's it's a lot of walking around and it's a lot of empty space and you know, I was kind of talking to Ryan about this, where the limitations of the Nintendo 64, for Banjo-Kazooie specifically, they had very tightly designed worlds. Like, everything was self-contained. Everything wasn't too big. Like, wherever you went, every nook and cranny of every world in Banjo-Kazooie was designed for something to be there. Whereas Ukulele had such... I respect them for doing something different and making these super big maps, like, on a completely different scale. Mm-hmm. And that in and of itself sounds very appealing but it's not like the it map... would lead nowhere. Yeah. The map was not...
2: You'd be like, ooh, there's a secret area. I wonder if this goes somewhere. And then you walk no, in and it's it like nothing. It, it, nothing. So <laughs> it's, it's like,
1: like... It's just there to be there. You have an entire generation of players who are designed to play a game, this game, a certain kind of way because of Banjo and Banjo-Tooie. And then you play ukulele. And like every time you try to play ukulele like Banjo, you're not rewarded. Because yeah. it's...
2: It's like just play the game. Like you yeah. just have to follow. You just go for like, yeah,
1: So I think that maybe if Playtonic and Microsoft did something... Um, it would be cool. But oh, my first point was that for remaking these games, you know, the, the levels and everything was designed with the PlayStation, for Spyro, for instance, PlayStation 1 in mind. So the levels were a little more tight. You know, everything had to be designed to be efficient. So trying to redesign that with, you know, today's technology, it's not super difficult. You just need to make sure the visual fidelity is there. But from a design perspective, the game's already laid out. The maps are small compared to what games nowadays are trying to do. So it's mm-hmm. almost like a double A like it, what was triple a back then is now double a to recreate so it's just cost efficient because you don't need like a breaking edge studio to make a remaster you just, it's already been done you already know what it looks like it's already been Dude, designed just
0: make banjo kazooie in fucking unreal and just, in unreal 5 give them a fucking fortnite skin you, and bro
1: banjo kazooie <laughs> in fortnite Yo, so tell, me that wouldn't this sell. Man.
0: tell me that wouldn't sell it would I mean, sell 100
1: and you, you already have people who've made banjo in unreal
0: yeah and it looks good i've seen a lot of like um any developers like hey here's some banjo kazooie assets and i saw one for like legend of zelda too i was like hey this is what it would look like and same thing for um super mario 64 i've seen all those
1: i've seen the, the zelda and the mario one and they look cool um but yeah as far as rare goes um i guess are we hype on rare for the future what's going on what's the new game that's
0: coming out oh let's ever wild. about that ever wild yeah I give don't... me a synopsis. I i thought it looked stupid i don't know too much about it i just know that it's coming out it
1: was announced in 2019 and we got a trailer e3 in 2020 but nothing not much has been uh, revealed since then but it seems to be a game probably got fucked
0: by the pandemic
1: yeah true yeah a lot of things it seems like an open world game about nature and kind of these individuals relationship with nature and kind of like they could summon forth spirits and the game looks super rare and like not just that, uh-huh. but, like, oh, my God. That. It looks very rare, And but, like, they've obviously pushed the visual fidelity of what they're capable of. Because the, the trailer looked fucking phenomenal, and I'm sure the game would look like that, too. Um, but it doesn't seem like it's going to be, like, a 3D platformer-like banjo. This seems to be, like, a more serious title. Not, like... The rare that we're used to, where it's like kind of self-referential, a little goofy. This seems to be like more narratively driven, a little more dramatic. Yeah, it's not it's not up my alley, honestly.
0: Because I remember watching that the trailer and thinking the same thing. So it, it looks it does look like a serious title. Yeah.
2: And, <laughs> and then you see at the end rare, and you're like, Wait, what?
0: Yeah. <laughs> Cause I, I think people have like a preconceived notion of what rare is known for too. Like they've Absolutely. always had some like goofy Absolutely. slapstick type humor um Conqueror's bad fur day if you you guys ever play back you get
2: anybody that's like our age group and you say hey name a rare game they're probably going to say like donkey kong country or something similar to that you know Uh something from a long i highly doubt they're going to say viva pinata
0: (laughs) or like yeah it's not to say those games are doing nuts and bolts like
2: specifically that I'm, i'm sure those
0: games are like if they if rare wasn't known for like banjo and like donkey kong country those games in the microsoft era they were still good oh, like i yeah, remember like the sure. was still a good game oh, cameo yeah. was still a good game grabbed by the ghoulies was also still a good game it's just you have a standard that everyone is applying to you and if you're not having like this you know very pivotal mascot type character then you know it's hard it's it's easy for us to say that rare isn't doing too well right now but in the respect that those games are probably good like i'm sure Everwild will be a solid game
1: I think after this analysis and kind of conversation, my take is that, you know, Rare was obviously known for a certain type of game for the first three generation of consoles. And they kind of spent a large swath of time there in like the late 2010s, early, um, late 2000s, early 2010s, kind of not doing much. But now that they've come back, the studio is just, it's a different version of the studio. You know, I think it's unfair. Like
2: Bioware, like every time everybody says anything from Bioware, like a new narrative game to come out by them. know it's never gonna be it's a different studio now yeah and that's not a
1: bad thing studios are allowed to evolve i mean shit this rare has been we're talking about 30 years of game history Mm -hmm. here we can't expect a business especially when the industry itself is developing still to be the same thing it was 30 years ago
0: tell that to fucking halo fans well
1: and this is one of the this is a a larger conversation but it's kind of like it's unfair to hold the studio to and be like oh you're not making the same thing you made 30 years ago but like what they were making 30 years ago was very much shaped by the age of the industry the limitations of the hardware being used like anything is possible with games nowadays deals that they were getting and also the people in charge are different but like you know i i want rare to exist i want them to keep making things it's sad that like these ips that we are at the mercy of microsoft right now essentially Mm -hmm. but i think the studio is still great i'm excited that if they do have a resurgence that you know, maybe there could be a day where Rare is make working on these games again, but we'll just have to see.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm hyped for what Rare is going to be coming out with, and I hold out hope that there is a backlog of kicking off the discussion for Banjo Kazooie the remake. It's gonna happen. The return. It's gonna. Something. It has to. Th- 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 that's just money on the table. That's mm-hmm. just sitting there, right? Whenever it happens, we're gonna.
1: Come right on the. Episode, We're calling it the now. Next in an age of so many remakes, remasters, revitalizations of old sequels, even games that came out five years ago are getting new like remasters and stuff. Like, it just doesn't make sense that this game, as pivotal as it was, would not get that treatment.
0: I feel like Ultimate was the the toe test, mm-hmm. dipping their foot in the water. Is like, bro,
1: are we gonna get something here?
0: The the, the proof of concept, like the ceiling. yeah. I I think with the amount of hype that it had. Okay. And just, like, the overall success, then I, I do think that people would be excited and would buy it. And you just introduce, like, a whole another generation because, you know, the age group that plays Smash Bros. is, like, very vast. And then you also have to remember that people kids that are, like, 9 or 10, they have no idea what the N64 games were like. Mm-hmm. And they probably never will. They're never going to experience those games the way that we did.
1: They, if they were listening to this podcast right now and they talk about rare, they, they're probably associating it with Sea of Thieves.
0: I, absolutely.
1: 100%. All right. So then here,
2: we'll do this to close it off. What would you say your favorite rare game is?
1: My favorite ever? If you have to choose one, you have to choose one. One?
2: Gun to your head. Give me your favorite rare game or you're dead. What do um,
1: you my favorite rare game is probably, I feel like the Banjo series for sure um it's a, gotta game. One. Gotta a one. series banjo tui i think right? banjo tui yeah i you? really liked how in banjo tui like everything was so connected and like it never got overwhelming because i was still able to play the game but like they really pushed banjo uh to be as crazy as possible because even in the first one there was a lot of going back and forth between levels but like you would do one thing in one level that's like the fifth world that would unlock something in the first world and there was all this going back and forth that was like so cool um, I just remember like every time one of those things happened as a kid being like, Oh my God, it's just, oh, <laughs> what? And like you, you go so mind blown. bro. I was so mind blown. I was like, Oh my, this is genius.
0: Genius. That's going to be the next t-shirt. Oh, You're saying genius. Genius, <laughs> genius twice. Yeah. I think for me, it's definitely Banjo-Kazooie. I think that's an easy pick. I, the OG the first one. Yeah. The first one, just because nostalgia is like coursing through my veins as I'm saying. One hell stuff, I'm so it so goes like roast we're roast in the Christmas, um, the Christmas, um, time. Holiday time. And I just remember having so many fun memories and like me being 28, being 29 next month. It's so vivid still. Granted, yeah. I do play the game like once a year, but it's at least has given me that much of an influence to be in the industry. And uh, I just realized I don't have a Banjo Kazooie tattoo, and it's probably the next one that I should get. Nice. There you go. Um, so it's just, I think it's a. You get like a Jiggy. <laughs> a Jiggy? No, it's definitely going to be Banjo and Kazooie, Gruntilda. Um, bottles like i still remember all the characters um Everything. 2d mm-hmm. but just that overall game I, it's just so perfect for that era like that's the game that i associate the N 64 with not even any mario games i associate it with banjo kazooie i also you?
1: like a, you as a person your like favorite franchises is like halo and banjo <laughs> <laughs> it's like <laughs> bangers dude. microsoft no, they're I both agree. bangers <laughs> They're but it's like bangers, you have man. Matt, well, you have Master Chief right next to Banjo. It's like you know, like what? A, fuck it. There He's you also go. He's got Mario on his arm. No, yeah, very fuck true.
2: it. Yeah. So what's yours? My favorite rare title. Ooh. It would probably have to be Perfect Dark. I have very fond memories of. I never had an N sixty four or an, an S when I was younger. I would always go to my friend's house to play, and I remember I had very fond memories of going to a friend's house to play Perfect Dark. Mm-hmm. And I would always like make my own save file because like I wanted to play it on my own and like every time I would come over he, like you know would be like what do you want? I'm ready to beat that game but like I wanted to play it cuz I always thought it was so so much fun. Um Yeah, Perfect
0: Dark. Cool. nice. I enjoyed this episode a lot. This is a
1: great episode. Yeah. Guys, we, so I guess like closing statements. Closing statements. So we've had episodes where we do deep dives and then we have episode where it's kind of just like us more spitballing and talking about current events and going off each other. Um, Creating discussion. Yeah. I, you know, we're still kind of feeling out what our main format will be. I really like these deep dive episodes because I feel like there's a lot of good conversation around like, you know, we give context as to why things are popular in the past and like commentary on the game design industry, how it's evolved and how it's evolving. Um, But this was great. I like this. If you want to see more of this, let us know. You know, or yeah, you what,
0: to, what would you guys like to see us do a deep dive on? And we'll do the research, play some of the games. Um Rare was a good one. I know that there's a couple others that uh, you guys like pass it along. Uh, what was that? I think it was Final Fantasy. You want to do a deep dive on? Uh, oh, Final man. Fantasy. or No, Sega. Be, Sega. That's what I'm thinking of.
1: Se- Sega would be a massive episode. I yeah, feel like, would be, yeah, would be, yeah. Well, you be. could pick any property in Sega and, and do a thing. But like Square Enix, Final Fantasy, Sonic Sega. Um, those are the ones we've kind of talked about. Um but we now we have an actual way of kind of organizing a list, but you know we definitely we, got some ideas and
2: some blueprints that we want to.
1: If you guys specifically want to hear anything, though, we could definitely prioritize that. So
0: sounds good to me, man. Mm-hmm. All right, well, there's nothing else. I think that's just going to be just about do it for us. So plug the socials really quick. Plug yeah, the yeah. socials. Oh. Let me let me get my hand. So that's <laughs> the know, YouTube. The, what's the? Hype? That's the Twitch. Robert, can you get that your hand watching, in there um, for the? Oh, little. That's the Twitter. And then go go back a little <laughs> bit. And that's the Instagram by this fucking beautiful man. Um, dude, yo, Steve shout out looks to the, shout
2: out to the production. Yo, watch when we go Both to when we go to thanks for watching, you're gonna see like the animation, everything. Yeah, it's gonna look great. Top tier. All right, this guy right here. Yo, yeah, hit him up.
0: Hopefully we can get another episode um, before Christmas happens. So probably sometime next week. Yeah, for um, sure. Yeah. So again, thank you guys so much for coming in, stopping by. This has been a very, very enjoyable episode for me personally. I hope
1: you guys all have a happy holidays. It's Christmas. Spend time with your family. Hope you guys all get what you wanted. Um, But yeah, keep an eye out. We'll have a Christmas episode next week, and then we're good to go.
0: All right. Thanks, guys. All right. Talk to you guys soon. Peace
3: out. Have a good one.